The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. And welcome to another edition of Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Pastor John Kane. With us today, we have Chief Kelvin Cochran. And Chief Cochran uh, was a former fire chief of Atlanta. He served in the Obama administration as the U.S. Fire Administrator. And in 2012, he was named the National U.S. Fire Chief of the Year. Welcome to the program, Chief. Thank you, Pastor John. It's good to be with you today. So you've written about a book about uh, events in your life. Tell us about Facing the Fire. Facing the Fire is a book that uh, really is the testimony of um, my experience of being terminated from employment as fire chief of the city of Atlanta after serving for 34 years in the fire service. Uh, and the cause of my termination was a few years prior, I wrote another book. Uh, for a Christian men Bible study uh, that spoke about biblical marriage and biblical sexuality. The theme of the book was Christian men overcoming condemnation, but a few paragraphs spoke about biblical marriage and biblical sexuality. Uh, and those few paragraphs uh, ended up, Pastor, costing me my childhood dream come true career. So facing the fire is the story of how God had prepared me for that fiery trial my entire life and how believers today can be assured that if they ever face the fire, that the same God that was with me in the fire will be with them. So you had faced um, a challenge to your, your faith at this time. Why is it so important, do you think, to stand up for truth? Well, uh, Today, uh, in our nation and around the world, Pastor John, uh, it is becoming increasingly more risky to be openly Christian. Uh, our nation has strived because of religious liberty and freedom of speech. Uh, but now that we've become so bountifully blessed, too many believers are afraid to, are afraid to speak the truth uh, for the fear of the consequences that come from publicly living our, our faith. Um, the redeemed of the Lord are now afraid to say so. And um, if we continue to be passive and silent about our faith, um, then the threat to those who have the courage and grace to stand on their faith will continue to increase. Uh, and we can one day live in an America where our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren uh, will face even more severe consequences for having the boldness to, to live out our faith. So why do you believe that uh, religious liberty is, is good for everybody? Well, because, you know, in America, one of the blessings of our country is uh, we get to believe and worship God as we choose or not choose. And, uh, and that's just good for everybody, uh, that the expression of sovereignty uh, that you have in your heart can be lived out freely without consequences or interference. Uh, of course, in today's society, uh, the protections that we formally express by 
experience from the government for living out our faith is becoming more and more fragile. As it relates to the Christian faith, a part of our mission in life uh, is to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to, uh, so that all who, uh, all may be saved. And um, so to have a, a faith that is silent uh, or has consequences, you know, really is a threat to the faith that we have professed to walk in and live. So in your life history, you were in a tough, tough battle with the city of Atlanta uh, over this issue of your religious freedom and your your freedom of speech uh, outside of working hours. Uh, tell us what it, it took to overcome and, and how you were successful in that battle. Well, it really started when I was a little bitty boy growing up in Shreveport, Louisiana, in abject poverty, uh, when um, my dad left my mother with six children to raise all by herself. And she joined the Galilee Baptist Church at the top of the alley that we lived in. And when we joined the church, Pastor, uh, the grown-ups used to ask us all the time, what do we want to be when we grow up? And um, I would tell them, uh, I want to be a firefighter and I, I want a family. I want to be a husband and a dad. And I don't want to be poor. And what they taught us as little kids was that all of our dreams were going to come true if we believed in and had faith in God. Uh, if we uh, got a good education, if we respected grownups and treated other children like we wanted to be treated, they said all of our dreams were going to come tr true. And so they instilled in me as a little boy what it was going to take for uh, the American dream to come true. I was raised on faith and patriotism. And then from that foundation, Pastor, I experienced fiery trials in my youth. Uh, I was one of the first African-Americans on the Shreveport Fire Department, and that brought with it fires other than the fires that I was fighting in the city. It brought a lot of fires of racism in the fire station. God delivered me from those fires, and uh, I saw the hand of God uh, in so many stages in my life that I'll talk about in the book, Facing the Fire, uh, that I realized that God had prepared me for uh, what I had experienced when I was terminated. Uh, my entire life, and I knew that he was going to be faithful with me uh, during that fiery trial. Well, I have to say that you have perhaps a bigger voice now than when you had when you were in the in the department. So, uh, give give me some of the tools, perhaps that were that were put at your disposal to help you, you know, overcome this persecution and and be successful. Yes, sir. Uh, the, there are five things that I've learned that I share in the book that all believers can be encouraged by. Uh, the first thing is, it's not a matter of if you're going to be put to a test as to whether you have the courage and grace to live out your faith. It's a matter of when. And the, the first thing that I, I address in the book is that God always prepares his sons and daughters for fiery trials. He always prepares us. So when we face that fiery trial, we need to have the assurance that God has determined that we are prepared. The second thing that I've learned, Pastor, is uh, there are worldly consequences for standing on biblical truth and standing for Christ. Christians need to face the reality that there are worldly consequences for standing on biblical truth. And we need to have courage that we're going to face the consequences. The third thing is I call it the shouting lesson. There are also kingdom consequences for standing on biblical truth and standing for Christ. 
And the kingdom consequences are always, always greater than the worldly consequences. The challenge is there are too many believers who have more fear in the worldly consequences than they have faith in the kingdom consequences that Jesus has promised. The fourth thing I've learned is uh, when we have the courage and grace to stand, Pastor, uh, our enemies get to see a side of God that they have they would have not seen had we not stood. Uh, just like uh, Nebuchadnezzar made the decree, no one should worship any other God but the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He got to see a side of God that he would not have seen had those three guys bowed down. But the other side of that is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got to see a side of God that they would not have seen. And so for us believers, we get to see a side of God that we would not have seen if we bowed down to the culture. And then the fifth thing that I like to share and talk about in the book is for the believer who has the courage to stand, Pastor, their life of blessing always goes to another level that's exceeding abundantly above all they could ever ask or think. Job was restored twice as much as he had. Esther became, uh, she inherited the, the estate of Haman, the guy who was trying to kill off all the Jews. Joseph became a prime minister. Daniel actually became a prime minister after he came out of the lion's den. Um, Ruth actually married Boaz after her sufferings and going through her challenges. Jesus has the name above every name because he had the courage to endure his sufferings. The life of blessing always goes to the next level for the son or daughter who has the courage and grace to stand. My personal experience is when I was fired as fire chief, uh, pastor, my life went to a whole nother level. I was hired on staff as the chief operating officer for Elizabeth Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, when I was fired. So I was still a chief in, in, in <laughs> that particular title. And then here I am, pastor, five years later, senior vice president of human resources and faith initiatives of Alliance Defending Freedom, the same law firm that defended my case and won, now has me on the team in a senior vice president position. God is still faithful to those who stand. He always takes their life to a level that's greater than they could have ever imagined when they stand on his behalf. Jesus promised that whoever, whatever you lose standing for me, I will restore it 100 fold. And pastor, I'm humble to, to say to you that my life is living proof that Jesus was not exaggerating. So I've seen the video uh, that you gave on uh, the ADF website, and I have not read your book yet, but could you tell our uh, listeners where they can find uh, this book of yours? Well, thank you, Pastor. Uh, it can be found on the online book retail sites, uh, Amazon Books, uh, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million are three common ones where you can find Face in the Fire, the faith that... Um, that uh, per, the fiery trial of uh, the fire chief, America's fire chief, excuse me. Uh, and uh, you can also find more information about uh, me and other ADF cases at adflegal.org. That's adflegal.org. So we're talking with Chief Kelvin Cochran. Chief, uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, you mentioned the world and you mentioned the kingdom. So let's just define our terms here a little bit. What do you mean by kingdom? Uh, the kingdom as it relates to uh, the kingdom of God, God's kingdom that uh, he desires to manifest here on earth. Uh, and it comes through 
a relationship with uh, uh, with his son, Jesus Christ, as both Savior and Lord. And of course, the world is that um, that realm uh, outside of uh, God's kingdom. It's uh, the world that is ruled by uh, the father of lies, Satan, and who has deceived, whose sole purpose is to deceive others, to keep them blinded from actually enter into, enter, entering into God's kingdom. So tell us a little bit about what you experienced um, during this fiery trial. You, men you mentioned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had a fiery trial and God rescued them. Tell how, tell how you were you fought through this and you were rescued. So I mentioned, uh, Pastor, that I had written a book for a Christian men Bible study. The title of the book, it was called, or is called, Who Told You That You Were Naked? It's the question that God asked Adam in the Garden of Eden. And I have to remind people of that. Uh, that question came from Genesis chapter 3, verse 11, because when they hear the question who told you that you were naked as the title of the book some people draw the conclusion man no wonder you got fired with a title <laughs> like that <laughs> but that was a book uh, that's the question that god asked adam in the garden of eden uh and it was written pastor because a lot of christian men still struggle with condemnation and guilt and shame and so uh that's the theme of the book but a lot of men still struggle with sexual sin so there was a few paragraphs in the book where I talked about God's purpose for sex and his intention uh, for sex to be between a man and a woman in holy matrimony. Uh, he wanted them to enjoy it, but he also wanted them to multiply and increase the population of his sons and daughters around the world. And it was those pages that offended an openly gay Atlanta city council member who complained to the Honorable Mayor Kasim Reed uh, who supported that platform and that agenda. Uh, and he felt it was necessary to suspend me for 30 days uh, so that they can investigate to determine if I had ever used my biblical views on marriage and sexuality to discriminate against anyone. The investigation exonerated me of any type of discrimination. I was determined by many of the members they interviewed to be fair and just However, after the 30-day suspension, I was fired anyway. I was actually given an ultimatum to resign or be terminated. Uh, and to resign would mean I would throw in the towel, Pastor, and uh, the, the city of Atlanta would set a platform to where anyone else could be persecuted and vilified for ex publicly expressing their faith. And I knew that was not the right decision, so uh, I was terminated. So 34 years of service ended abruptly because of living out my faith. I was not vested in the pension system, so there was uh, a tremendous loss. Uh, I had no idea how I was going to fight, uh, or how I was going to pay my bills or take care of my family, but none of that mattered in the moment. I just trusted that God was going to take care of me, uh, and he did. I discovered that there was a Christian law firm called Alliance Defending Freedom, who came alongside me and took my case. And after a four year legal battle, uh, won the case. Uh, it was determined that the city of Atlanta's terms of termination were unconstitutional and against my first amendment rights. And the city had to pay a large settlement 
uh, and to vindicate me of uh, the losses that I had uh, incurred. We'll come back to uh, Chief Cochran in just a moment. First, I'd like to uh, tell our listeners about our radio program's website, elmhouston.org. If you go to that website, you can read more about us. You can download podcasts of our past radio programs. You can find shortcuts to our Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube accounts. You can also donate to support our work. All of our on-the-air hosts are volunteers, so your donations go far to help us purchase airtime. We strive to have a wide variety of interviews with people who are on the cutting edge, people who have uh, been creatively sharing the good news of the salvation that is ours through Jesus Christ. And uh, these interviews, such as the one with uh, Chief Cochran today, they're, uh, they're in that sometimes tough place where faith meets life. We encourage our uh, listeners, you can also write us at ELM PO Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. And now back to our guest. Chief, tell us uh, a little bit more about your history as a, a, a fire chief. You know, what I've heard and what I've uh, seen about you, you are probably about the least discriminatory person on the planet. And tell us just real briefly what you put into place before you were accused of all these terrible things. Uh, it just struck me as the greatest hypocritical attack ever. <laughs> but yes, tell our listeners a little bit of the kind of things that you had already put into place. Yes, sir. Well, you know, being a believer uh, and becoming into my childhood dream career as a firefighter, as one of the first African-Americans in Shreveport, uh, I mentioned how I really dis- experienced the horrors of discrimination and racism, but it was the faith that was instilled in me that got me through those difficult days. I just felt, uh, Pastor John, that um, that was a calling on my life to demonstrate that people of color uh, could actually faithfully serve and be competent in the career of a firefighter. And so I focused more on developing my skills and proving to my brother's uh, that I loved the career, and I, I was uh, honorable to my leaders, no matter how I was treated. And I was going to honor my uh, peers uh, in spite of the way I was treated. And uh, over time, that light and love of Christ actually began to change hearts. Uh, because I was committed to professional development through the years, in four years, I became a captain. Uh, and it usually takes 12 to 15 years. In 10 years, I was an assistant chief. It usually takes about 20 to 22 years. In 18 years, I became the fire chief of the city of Shreveport, the first African-American and youngest fire chief in its history, all by the grace of God. And because of how I was treated when I was uh, uh, coming up through the ranks, God put it on my heart. Now you have the authority to put in place practices where no one else will have to go through what you went through. So. I used the collaboration of the men and women of the department to develop a vision statement and a mission statement and core values of how we would treat one another and how we would treat the public. And we governed ourselves that way uh, every single day. When I went to the city of Atlanta, they didn't have that structure in place. Uh, And so we uh, collaborated with a diverse group of men and women to put a system in place. Uh, and I remember our core values in Atlanta were predictable, excellent, accountable, competent, honesty, integrity, and ism-free. 
Ism free was our way of saying no racism, sexism, favoritism, nepotism, cronyism. Our greatest ism was going to be professionalism. And we call that the Atlanta Fire Rescue Doctrine. And we held one another accountable to that system every single day. And so it was those things that caused me, uh, without even quoting scriptures, to lead in a godly way. And the results spoke for themselves. We had a tremendous uh, culture and our service to the citizens was always exemplary. And because of that track record, uh, President Obama appointed me to be the head of the United States Fire Administration. Uh, now, Pastor, here's a boy who grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, on, raised on food stamps and welfare in a shotgun house, who had a childhood dream to become a firefighter, now is the highest fire official in the United States. It's only by faith and patriotism uh, in America that those dreams are possible. And so those are the things that uh, really caused me to lead uh, the way. It was by the grace of God and the tenets of our faith uh, that were instilled in me through the years. Chief, I strongly believe from Scripture that uh, every Christian has got a plan, a God-given plan, direction for their life and a vocation. What would you tell someone who's listening who isn't sure what uh, God wants them to do with their life? Do you have any? Yes, sir. I, I love that question because that's a question I'm asked a lot. The, 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 is, the Bible is clear that God has predestined us to a calling. And uh, every, I would say to our listeners, Every job you've ever had has been a divine assignment that leads to your calling. Um, in my case, my first job was a paper boy. And then I was uh, a cook at Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. And then a cook at El Chico's Mexican Restaurant. And then Catfish Kitchen. And then I became a firefighter. And then from a firefighter to a captain, from a captain to assistant chief, assistant chief to fire chief in Shreveport, to fire chief in Atlanta, to the United States Fire Administration, you know, to at, back to Atlanta, to the chief operating officer of Elizabeth Baptist Church, and now senior vice president at Alliance Defending Freedom. God predestined all of those jobs as a part of my calling to place me where I am today. And he does the same thing for all believers. There's never a job that you've ever had that's been a mistake. God is using all of those to equip you for greater divine assignments in your future. But this is what I've discovered, Pastor Many people will never walk in the fullness of their calling unless they're faithful to their purpose in their families. God does not give divine assignments to his sons and daughters who are not faithful in their family relationships. And so to really, if you really want to discover what your calling is and thrive in it, make sure you're, you're a faithful son to your mother and father, you're a faithful husband to your wife, you're a faithful father to your children, you're a faithful grandson to your grandmother and grandfather, of course, and for, for ladies, that's being a faithful daughter to your mom and dad, a faithful sister to your brothers and sisters, being faithful in family relationships, uh, God will bless you with a calling or a divine assignment uh, that just brings out the joy in the work that he's given you to do. That's very well said, Chief. I like what you have to say. Well, once again, would you tell our listeners where they can get more information um, about your books or also uh, uh, check out that, uh, that brief video that uh, details your life and uh, what you're doing now? 
Yes, sir. The video summary of this whole story can be found at uh, ADFlegal.org. That's ADFlegal.org. And the book Facing the Fire uh, can be found on Amazon Books, uh, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com, and other online book purchasing outlets. Well, God's blessing as uh, you continue to be faithful to God's calling on your life and uh, being a witness of the goodness of God to all the people that you meet. To our listeners, thanks for being with us. Join us again real soon for another edition of Engaging Truth. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.